Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you chiching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. dedicated to Henry Farmer. In the year of the final war, men mastered the mammoth and horse. Good afternoon, good evening, good whatever, good whomever, good however I may find you. This is Alan Averill and Agitators Anonymous. Tuesdays, random ramble. Tuesdays, rock and metal, this and that. Tuesdays, sort of, kind of, you know, Coke Zero light version of the podcast because we got some heavy stuff coming on Friday. I'm going to talk about what's happening in Iran um, but today, from the sublime to the ridiculous, or whatever the phrase may be, I'm going to talk about re-watching some kind of monster. So if you'd like to relax with some heavy metal nerdism, then be prepared for the most goddamn vaguely exciting 20 minutes um, you may waste on a average Tuesday. Anyway, so the podcast is sponsored by MetalBlade.com, North America, which includes that Canada. You can use the promo code ALAN for 10% off your order, that kind of thing. Um, there's various other links you can follow here and there. Uh, some of you have commented that you've noticed there are now ads in the podcast. Well, um, what can I say is that if you reach a certain threshold of listens, then the um, the platforms that you use to post podcasts say to you would you like to have ads blah 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 and it's all a bit confusing and i don't pay that much attention to the details but what it is potentially is the ability to have um some kind of uh, earnings i don't know what they are and um, they're very non-specific because all of these platforms don't relate earnings to how many hours you've been listened to or wherever, whatever else in fact, even in the Spotify sort of podcast charter, it doesn't specify really anything like that. So uh, for the uh, man hours you put into it or the uh, whichever form you identify as hours that you put into it. Um, listen, I've not got a clue. And who knows, you might find some uh, some wonderful thing coming your way that you feel you need to instantly buy. I don't know. Anyway, 
But that's kind of what happens. It's the modern world. What you need to do is to have a very skilled uh, thumbing action to be able to just touch and scroll across 45 seconds to one minute and you're back to where you are. I do this with um, some podcasts I listen to where I can't bear the ads either or else find an ad blocker. But I don't think that even works for podcasts. Anyway, anyway, anyway. What I was going to talk about, as I said, in Tuesday's Ramble is um, the very odd feeling of watching some kind of monster again. It's not quite 20 years. It's about 15 years since I watched it. But it is um, it is quite amazing to go back and sort of watch this car crash of a movie, um, which I was always at odds with um, people, friends, and that kind of thing. People who, I guess, were outside of the Metallica, the meaning of Metallica, um, who loved it for the very reasons that most Metallica fans hated it. Um, and it is funny going back and watching there. I mean, even those, even those 20 years between now and then, um, those kind of baby faces, because they're all in their late 20s. They're just off the back of selling 30, 40 million records. And some of you may have listened to the podcast well, it's not really a podcast, but the Metal Salvage chats I do with Joe from Gamma Bomb, and some of this we address in the last um, YouTube um, video that we did, which is, where's the moment where um, musicians just stop listening to anybody? Where as millionaires, they're kind of insulated. They're in some, some sort of bubble of yes men or yes women or yes um, associates, consultants, and all of these people who basically make their living from the band and so therefore it's not really in their interest to disrupt the um you know the gravy train or take the wheels off the gravy train and so they just kind of keep saying yes to these people um it's quite incredible the most the most damning thing that comes across in the entire some kind of monster is the psychoanalyst phil um who is the most infuriatingly um, empty, vacuous character. Now, you know, you may have your issues with all of that kind of stuff, psychotherapy, all this, whatever else, but this isn't really, um, you know, some sort of in-depth Freud anal analysis. It's kind of like just writing on a piece of paper. Be brave. You must only be brave to enter here um, on the kind of corner of an amp. All this kind of stuff. It's just this terrible sort of um, Tony Robbins speak on a sort of micro level. But the guy who's being paid $40,000 a month to just sit there and slowly but surely the most maddening thing is that if you understood the dynamics of Metallica um, it was Headfield who kind of quietly ruled the band with a kind of iron fist while Ulrich was the mouthpiece the organiser the raconteur and um, of course the songwriting foil we mustn't forget um, I think there's a ridiculous sort of notion that Ulrich was sort of dispensable to Metallica but he wasn't he's the so songwriting backbone whatever you may say about um, his drumming, which, you know, look, it's perfectly fine to me. Um, as somebody, of course, who listens to all sorts of B, C, D, E and F division metal and thrash metal, um, Ulrich is certainly from the top tier of drummers at the time. However, of course, if you're going to compare him to Dave Lombardo, yeah, I get it. But like, look, come on, they're two different beasts, aren't they? But what you realise is that um, the whole black era, load, reload era just seem to have completely spent Hetfield and completely worn his ability to sense make down to nothing. It seems to me that the whole therapy speak um, sort of angle, the vector that they're moving along and with this guy Phil um, in control 
much of the narrative kind of suits Ulrich's personality a bit. But what you realize is there's a lost Hetfield there who kind of vaguely about three quarters into the movie goes, I think maybe we kind of need to get rid of this guy. But of course, um, what happens is, is that um, early on in the movie, Hetfield books himself into rehab. And so the whole steps of rehab and when he comes out, this guy, Phil, kind of latches onto that and takes advantage of it. But it is absolutely maddening. And one of the most maddening things I think about it is that um, as a teenager or an early teenager, Metallica was like the outsider music. And you identified it because you felt like an outsider on, you know, of course, on some, um, you know, naive teenage level, which is what teenagers are, f- full of raging hormones and trying to gain approval from the in-crowd or not from the in-crowd or trying to make your statement against the in-crowd. or And you, you aligned, you identified with Metallica because they were anti-heroes. And then to watch your anti-heroes um, now sort of uh, groveling at the table for the sort of, um, you know, kind of the crumbs of respect from some sort of um, shyster to be honest with you, some sort of snake oil salesman who's just there bleeding them for 40 grand um, a week. That's the kind of psychodrama that's going on behind the scenes. Besides the fact that the music is just absolutely awful, that they just got nothing in the tank. And the jams, the jams of the songs are like, uh, they're like my first, my first rehearsal session with like, you know, a band of teenagers you'd go, you'd kind of stumble upon in um, a venue in 1998 in Dublin or wherever your city or wherever your town might be from. It's kind of real awful kind of awful riffs that are like my first guitar riffs. And the fact that they don't really realise, oh, we're the band who wrote Damage Incorporated. We're the band who wrote um, Ride the Lightning and Call of Cthulhu. And this just won't do these kind of slacker, messy, horrible sort of riffs. You know, lots of bands lose musical inspiration. Um, and most huge bands do at some stage fall off the musical wagon. And you get it. But the moment where as millionaires, um, you know, the only person, the only people who really come across with integrity in the movie are Newstead because he quits um, right at the start of it and basically calls out BS, calls shenanigans, says this is pathetic about having this therapist there. And of course, he's right. And deep down, you know, Hatfield knows that he's right. And that's what really bugs him about Newstead leaving. Um, Echo Brain didn't really go anywhere, did it, eh? Um, but he just was not willing to indulge the psychoanalysts. And he comes across with integrity to me because he still is, um, he's still holding on to a position of power. And that's one of the things that sort of um, I find difficult with some kind of monster. And I find difficult with the people who were sharing the Hetfield breakdown on social media is this modern um, society's infatuation with being um, vulnerable and living your life like an open wound, which I had many times in the podcast um, have said I kind of sort of I'm not going to say despise, but certainly I think um, we venerate it far too much. And what happened to the headfield of strength and power and the headfield who we all could um, tap into to Uh, kind of make sense of the world and make sense of our outsider status. He stood for us. You know, he was the kind of rebel um, who was willing to be strong against all those kind of emotions and things you felt as a teenager. Kind of backbone. And it made me think about um, some of the other musical heroes you might have. And whether it was Nick Cave, Tom Waits, Leonard Cohen, I just happened to pick three there, who kind of lived their life with dignity, not as an open wound. And then to watch your childhood heroes living in this sort of completely discombobulated um, random state, obviously just millionaires um, who are able to, you know, have people 
at their beck and call um, 24 hours a day. But the sheer sort of indulgence of the music, which is entirely contrary to the early message of um, heavy metal, I think, um, is maddening. And the indulgence of the psychotherapist, the indulgence of therapy speak, the indulgence of bullshit, and quite frankly, the indulgence of, um, as I said, this sort of pseudo vulnerability. Even though it is eminently um, watchable. If somebody said to me, oh, you know, it's just fascinating, this car crash of a movie, I would go, yeah, I get it. But if you want to try and delve into the deep sort of psychoanalysis of, of isn't it great to see Hedfield being vulnerable, I would go, um, no, I w- <laughs> definitely not. And that's not because of... Um, you know, I'm sort of projecting any of these things, um, which I've been, you know, which I've felt before uh, onto, you know, a young Hetfield. That's an awful lot of responsibility for tens of millions of people. But I suppose that's what happens when you're in a popular band. But God damn, the movie is kind of maddening. Um, I mean, I'm just going to go through some of my observations here. Um, but it's certain that it's clear that Hetfield's river of creativity had absolutely run dry, which is evidenced by the dungarees that he's wearing. Uh, scene to scene like I mean come on there's a, there's there's such a crisis of um, a crisis of, of of aesthetics that are going on at the time the band have been through their load sort of eyeliner phase they've been through the kind of you know heft hefty kind of macho um, headfield biker phase and now they're just you know Ulrich is there with his one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Kind of cricket hat and stuff. And that they... You know, they, they allow um, Rob Rock in on to play the bass. What again, what a terrible idea. But it's it's mainly the indulgence of therapy speak. And you realize that Al, uh, Hetfield has lost his, he's lost his male mojo. 
and that was 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 and is the backbone of um, most of those traditional metal bands from the eighties. Um, I think Ulrich's father, Torben, I think Ulrich comes across with a lot of integrity because he just calls bullshit like it is. I wonder, I wonder how he is these days. I presume he's still alive. He looks like a man who will live forever. Um, should have been in Lord of the Rings or something like this. But um, you get the feeling that um, you know Ulrich is trying to make a sort of arty movie of the whole thing, but it sort of falls flat on its feet, um, and that Hetfield just sort of relinquished control of the Metallica wagon, so to speak. And then when they come out of it, the wor- one of the worst things for me is the um, is the collective lyric writing, which includes the therapist. Um, there, are, You all have your tasks in a band, the things you do well um, and the things that you do not do well. And the idea that you can sort of pool minimal resources Almost like those, you remember when you were a kid, when you would write them the lyric or the line to a story one after the other and you would make up a crazy story when you were kids. I presume kids don't do that anymore because they're all on OnlyFans or whatever. But this is the kind of things you did in the 1980s or the 1970s. Um, But the band come back going, right, we're angry about something, but what? And you realise they seem to have nothing really to be angry about. They're sort of indulged millionaires um, and everybody is sort of indulging them. I can stop using the word indulgence, can't I? But it really is, um, it really is kind of, I suppose, difficult viewing. No, not necessarily now. It annoyed me more 15 years ago um, because you just wondered to yourself, how did they allow this? And even so kind of some of the shooting and some of the um, editing, the kind of, the kind of clumsy, um, at the beginning of the movie, there's a sort of clumsy montage stuff which sort of vaguely suggests sex, drugs and rock and roll. But the documentary never gets into any of it. It's sort of vaguely suggested. And, you know, Hetfield goes, oh, you wake up with a different person every morning with a hangover and you go, oh, I can't do this anymore. Um, OK, yeah, but it doesn't really go like that's one or two or three lines in, in the documentary that end up getting supplanted for endless you know, footage of the therapist speaking, all that kind of stuff. Um, Not just maddening is the kind of collective lyric writing, but the idea, and I've always said this about about artists, is that when it all begins to get holistic, um, no one wants to hear this art, Um, at least certainly not in heavy metal. Like you can, um, you know, no one wants to hear how chuffed you are about being a mother or a father. No one wants to hear an album about how great it is that you're a dad now. No one wants to hear that. That's not where, at least for me, art or the expression of art, which should be born from, at least to my mind, some form of struggle, adversity, darkness. Those are the wells from which um, art comes that I respect. I certainly don't want to hear, uh, you know, an upbeat, holistic album about fatherhood from... um, I can't really think of any artists that I would like that are... Or I have kind of, um, you know, give me Nick Cave, give me... Um, Nick Drake, give me whatever, Tom Waits. I don't want to hear, um, a, a, you know, an album about how great it is that uh, I found motherhood, etc., etc., etc. You knew it was predictable, I was going to say that. But the footage of the band kind of like with their kids while writing lyrics, with their kids kind of like, it sort of seems like pseudo wholesome um, footage, which you kind of feel like the band said to the, uh, the you know, the writers, or the you know the the people filming them kind of make sure to put some of this in, you know, as a counterbalance to those four lines about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, which looking back would have been far more interesting. But where is an, where is an angry heavy metal album going to come from 
if you're milling about the rehearsal room with your kids. It just doesn't work like that. Um, and I think that Metallica just completely lost sight of all of the things that made them great or all of those. Now, it's very hard to, and I've said this before in interviews over all the years, like if you're, um, you know, a millionaire, uh, you know, a millionaire many times over from your band, how do you how do you plug back into that anger and rebellion you felt when you were 18, 19 and 20? You don't. Um, you know, you you have your millionaire um, lifestyle and you're kind of secluded from the things that would have given you inspiration. So you kind of are lost, not knowing what to do. And it's on those terms I cut, um, you know, Hetfield and Ulrich, a bit of slack and that kind of thing. But the, the really strange footage of Newstead playing with his Echo Brain band and um, the other guys almost seem to be kind of jealous of the fact that he had the freedom to be able to do that, I think is one of the most interesting, um, interesting observations. I turn a page here of my random notes. Um, but you do get the kind of, it's almost like the backstory is, will they, won't they? Will they finally overcome the odds and fire the psychotherapist who was planning to come on the road with them? You could see was gearing up to have a great time on tour, was wanted to move house to be nearer to them, all this kind of stuff. It's clear he's the cancer in the system. He's the cancer in the movie. And he is, we're all rooting for Hetfield to get back his mojo and go, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, get the fuck out of here. But it all gets too folksy and holistic and it's hard to watch your angry outsider hero band um, basically turn into a sort of, um, a sort of, you know, uh, a one long therapy session. And maybe that's, you know, what people outside of the bubble love about it if you weren't a fan of the band it's just a fascinating uh, it's a fascinating car crash and a fascinating view into how a band can become so deluded and then you know the Mustaine sequence where everybody's crying and everybody's kind of um, you know don't you know what it feels to be mocked by everybody and where's my buddy my Danish buddy we used to smoke hash with in a hole in the ground which I don't really understand but it's just more tears, more awkward uncomfortableness. And you do wonder, do all of these bands really understand um, where they came from sometimes? And I'd find it hard pushed to maybe see a European band doing the same kind of thing because maybe there's just a little bit more of the stoic stiff upper lip lipness about um, Northern Western Europeans or something like this that would not allow this kind of indulgence. And like I said, Fair Play to Newstead for... Um, clocking out although then again there's a moment where they think he wants to come back and they all sort of guffaw and laugh um, and what I think one of the most amazing bits which they don't really get into is a psychoanalyst Phil claiming to have a message from Cliff Burton seemingly from the beyond and they don't really go into this because it seems that does it seem that Hetfield has come out of rehab um, having found religion having found faith they kind of don't really go there it's evidenced maybe by some of the tattoos he's got. Um, and the last, I think the last, um, the last moment of rehab is very often to supplant your need for addiction, with, whether it's booze or drugs, with religion. I think that's part of the, the 12 steps, right? You know, you may, you may DM me and tell me if I'm completely incorrect. But he, um, he claims to have had messages from Cliff Burton. And sort of this seems to be using this as leverage against the band that sort of he has the angels on his side. And again, no one really calls out bullshit and goes, what the fuck? And it's a slow burning fuse. And I, I guess that's I will give credit to the filmmakers that they give that 
time to unfold and to make you feel uncomfortable. Um, the the one of the most sort of grotesque or heinous, though those are kind of overblown words, but the the art sale footage. Um, you know, Ulrich sells all his art for like millions and millions and millions, um, which I think the cl- filmmaker set quite cleverly to the Napster trial um, footage. And that sort of makes Ulrich paints him in quite a, a grim light, even though fundamentally 20 years after the fact, I kind of agree with some of the principles of that whole Napster debate in um, on his terms. It just he just looked like a greedy millionaire. But. Yeah, I think if the people who were siding against him realized that um, how it would just fuck every musician 20 years later through streaming, they might, um, you know, may have a slightly more nuanced view on these things. But um, watching Ulrich get pissed and then cry uh, after selling his millions of art is, yeah, again, it sort of lets you know where Metallica is at the time. Um, And then, you know, there all of a sudden it comes up on the screen, day 642, and the idea of making an album for... Um, all of the up and coming up on two years um, with all of this kind of stuff, you you just see that they were in just you know they were in just full kind of like emotional meltdown trying to make an album in the middle of it, um, and I haven't even mentioned the snare sound yet, um, but you know it's I suppose what it is it's an album that no one needed to hear, it was their therapy album that helped them to get to another place to maybe make something worth listening in the albums after that one. Um, and like I said before, I don't mind Hardwired to Self-Destruct. I think it's um, got some some really good songs on it and some really good moments. And maybe they needed to make this to make that. But of course, did we need to hear St. Anger? No, certainly not. It's a, it's, it's an awful record. Um, and, you know, as soon as the live footage, when they pick things up again and they start playing Battery, you kind of go, oh, yeah, it just shunts you into going, oh, yeah, they're the band who did that. Um and so we can't just let them away with this sort of holistic therapy speak nonsense. It's compelling viewing. And um, I, I have to admit, I was kind of glued to it again for the first time in 15, 16, 17 years. And my residual well of anger, I found hard to quite tap into. I felt in a way a bit sorry for the whole for them. Well, sorry for millionaires. That's not the right word. But you do kind of understand it, but it's kind of got there's so many unexplored avenues which were actually getting into the drink and drugs and also the religious aspect of it could have been interesting. But some kind of monster. 15 years since I watched it. Yeah, I thought it was worth a little Tuesday uh, ramble just across all these things. What do you think? Have you seen it? Have you watched it? Um, You know, let me know what you think about it. That's going to be Tuesday's Agitators Anonymous, worth watching again. Um, And, you know, um, as an old, old Metallica fan, it it throws up more questions than you get answers to, that's for sure. But anyway, some kind of monster is just a little sort of ramble of Tuesday's Agitators Anonymous. I'm Alan Averill, singer in a heavy metal band, just talking nonsense, blah-de-blah-de-blah. You can give the podcast a review, give it a star rating, Recommend it to people you like, to people you don't like, whatever, whatever. Planet Satan over and out. Cannot stop the battery. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 